I'm Chanae Ogumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. Welcome to Bulls HQ, a Chicago Bulls podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the show, and thank you to our partners Indeed and Bet Online for sponsoring Bulls HQ. On the show this week, we have a Bulls podcasting crossover happening, as you probably already know. Blue Wire has two Bulls podcasts within its network, and with the draft essentially one week away, I thought it would be fun to have the lads from the Cash Considerations podcast on Bulls HQ to talk about all things NBA draft and how that pertains to our Chicago Bulls. So let's welcome in Jason Pat and Ricky O'Donnell. Boys, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm good, Mark. Thanks for having us, man. This is fun to do. Thanks for coming on. We haven't done a, uh, a crossover for a while, so it seemed up to do, particularly with the... Uh, the draft one week away. Obviously, we're going to be talking all things draft because that's really that's all that's going on in our world at the moment from a Bulls perspective. But I guess firstly, I just wanted to start here and I don't know how you guys feel about this, but how over are you about talking about this shitty draft at this point? It feels like we've been talking about this draft for at least one year at this point. Yeah, I totally agree. I've been writing about this draft class for well over a year. I would say I'm mostly feeling a sense of relief that it's finally going to be over, much more than like excitement. Uh, While I do think that like every draft is fun and every draft is going to have a lot of good players, I just feel like there's just been so much time looking at, you know, the same flaws of these guys over the course of, you know, whatever, 15, 16 months. So uh, it'll be good to finally have that in the rearview mirror and really... I've been saying this on every podcast appearance I've been doing. I feel like team fit is going to determine how successful these guys are more so than like one guy being great regardless of contact. So it'll be cool to see how that all shakes out and uh, where some of the best young basketball players in the world right now are going to end up starting their professional careers. And as for me, I'm very excited to see what the Bulls are going to do. Just since they have the number four pick, we have a new regime in town and just a fresh start. So like that's part of it is like super fun. So like I can't wait for the draft to actually happen and like the lead like the coming days when uh, moves can finally be made. Since now that the players have uh, voted to uh, approve the start of the season in December, uh, and like so hopefully like this week I think they're expecting to ratify this amended CBA. So then hopefully. Maybe some trades will happen. So, like, th- this all stuff, like, will be really exciting. But in terms of, like, yeah, talking about this draft, a not a good draft at the top, and just, like, and it's been an extra long wait in general, definitely am sick of that, and I'm just ready for stuff to actually happen. And so that should hopefully be exciting. Hopefully, although there's been so many rumors about teams wanting to, like, make trades or trade down, uh, but with this draft as being so not good at the top, like, I, I guess we'll see what ends up happening. Yeah, and look, that's the kind of the amusing thing is that we've spent almost a year talking about this damn draft, specifically for the Bulls, given that you know their season was effectively over in November, December last year. So we've always been looking ahead to this draft, but 
to your point, Jason, the, the fact that things are just going to roll around so quickly, that we'll, the draft will be next week and then all of a sudden we'll just be, can be completely forgetting about it once it sort of concludes because straight away we'll be almost hopping into to free agency and those sorts of things and not long after the training camp and obviously the season. So, yeah, we're going to be spending a whole damn time you know, going over this draft, but you know, within 24 hours, we'll be completely forgetting about it. So that, I guess that's the the irony of it all. But um, I guess, like I mentioned from the top, we're we're essentially one week away from the draft happening. It should be fun. It should be good. It'd be great great to get some insight as to what AK will do for the Bulls. His first real big move from a player point of view uh, as the lead executive for the Bulls, but. Maybe you know bringing that back to what you guys both think may happen. I, I, it's all conjecture at this point, but maybe we can start with you, Ricky. Have you settled on a specific strategy or a specific player that you want the Bulls to be sort of prioritizing as their primary uh, draft candidate, I suppose, next week? And uh, yeah, so we'll start with you, Ricky, and then we can throw to you, Jason. Yeah, I mean, we could talk about what I would like to see them do, or we could talk about what I think they're going to do, and those are two completely contrasting ideas right now but my uh take on this has been the same from the start it's that if you don't have a lead creator you should be doing everything you can to find that lead creator and basically every other team every other need the team has comes secondary towards finding that guy i think that the bulls have struggled in a lot of ways because they don't have that main engine of the offense. Then those duties fall to Zach Levine, who probably would be better used in more of an off-ball role uh, where he could really leverage his shooting and trying to beat some closeouts instead of Zach Levine creating the offense in the half court. And on a consistent basis, he's just not a good enough decision maker to make that happen. Obviously, the Bulls also drafted Kobe White last year. To me, he definitely projects more as a microwave scorer, someone who can absolutely still be very useful to the team and have a lot of value league-wide, but I don't really see him having enough, like being able to really grasp the defense's attention enough and have a strong enough feel for the game, passing sense, to really be a lead creator. So I think the Bulls need to be looking for a playmaker, and I think at the fourth pick, it's very likely that, at least in my evaluation, uh, Killian Hayes would be on the board. He would be both the best player and the best possible fit. So to me, that seems like a no-brainer. Of course, his perception in the league itself is not is not as rosy as it is to people from outside like us who are, you know, looking in on the process. Uh, I think it's it's probably more likely that Killian Hayes falls out of the top 10 than it is that the Bulls take him in number four. It seems like he could slip, you know, to the 12, 14 uh, range of this draft. And it's because I think people within the league really sort of worry about his lack of athleticism. The fact that he shot below 30% from three point this year, he wasn't a very good off ball shooter. Uh, but I look at his creation ability and I see someone who, even if he doesn't have a really, really high ceiling in terms of, you know, one day being an all NBA candidate, I think he can be, you know, potentially an all-star level player and someone who can uh, be the engine of an offense. And I think he's someone who projects, as above average on both offense and defense. I think it's been, you know, a long time since the Bulls have really put an emphasis on two-way players. So uh, I would love to see him be the pick. I do not think it is likely that he's going to be the pick just because his perception within the league doesn't necessitate him going in the top five. Uh, But that's kind of where I've been at since the lottery ended. My thought process hasn't really changed much. The draft has just gotten pushed further and further back. So now that we're finally here, I'm I'm definitely set with this as my final answer. I would love for them to draft Killian Hayes with the fourth pick. Uh, I don't really think it's likely, though. You can honestly probably talk me into like any of these picks. Uh, like I said, as as a guy who's like not super well versed in the draft, like we've been talking about it forever, but like I'm not like 
nitty gritty on these guys. Like, uh, like all these rumored guys with, with between Killian Hayes. Like, we did a huge Killian Hayes pod on cash considerations a while back. Uh, just a deep dive into him with I believe that was with our PD Web, I think. And like, I was totally sold on him. And then like, but then you read some of the stuff from like uh the ESPN article today on, by, from Jonathan Gavoni and Ricky. You, you kind of alluded to this how like. Uh, some people, it seems like people around the league think he's going to fall out of the top 10. And, but then like, you're really high on him. And like, and, like I know like Kevin O'Connor has him as like the top prospect in this draft. So like, it seems like he could go like a very wide range of analysis with Killian Hayes. And, like, I'd be fine with him because all your points about, uh, the lead creator stuff is stuff we've talked about at nauseum. Like we know that they definitely does not seem like they have a number one guy on this team. Like I, I agree up with all your points about Zach and Kobe. Don't really need to rehash that kind of stuff. But like I'd be fine with him. You look at some of the other names that have, are out there. I mean, Denny is obviously a very popular name for the Bulls. Uh, I like he's been a lot of smoke there just in general. Like I don't know if that's in, because of just because of like AK's international ties and all that kind of stuff, or if the Bulls actually like him. If that's actually any kind of legit intel, he seems kind of polarizing as well. Just because uh, I mean, coming from the Israeli league and like kind of following, you could say following in the footsteps of an international sensation, Luka Doncic. Some people like to want to see that. Oh, he's the next Luka, but I mean, he's definitely not on that level. I've tried to tamp that down. If anyone says that I've had some people to try to tell him, tell me like compare him to Luka in my Twitter mentions. Like absolutely not. But like Denny would be like a fine pick as well from what I could tell. He's a versatile forward. The bulls could use that kind of playmaking and versatility from the forward spot. So like he'd be fine. Like, uh, there, I mean, there's been stuff about Lamelo. Like, if he somehow drops, or if the Bulls wanted to trade up for him, like Lamelo, Ricky. I know you have him as your top guy in this draft. Like, I know he has his flaws and all that, but like, if they were somehow able to get Lamelo Ball, I think that'd be really exciting. I mean, then you look at just some of these other guys here. Like, I, like if they drafted like an Isaac Okoro, or uh, I, I mean, Obi Toppin, maybe not as much, or some of these other guys. I don't know, like Devin. Vassell, like, I think the only way I would be, like, not super thrilled probably is if they took one of the centers, if that was, like, Weissman or Anika Kongu, I don't even know if I said that right, but, like, ultimately, you could probably talk me into most of these guys here, so, like, I do agree in general, just the, le- the they need more playmaking, that's obvious just from their offense, which is so bad last year, and I think just not having guys who could really, smart players who can set the table is just a big problem, so, whether it's Killian Hayes, whether it's a guy like Denny, uh, I didn't mention Tyrus, Tyrus Halliburton yet. I don't know. He's another guy who's kind of been rumored uh, for, with the Bulls. I don't know if I would take him at four. That seems probably super high based on some of the stuff I've read. But like I said, you could probably almost talk me into any of these guys just because there's just no really sure things in this draft. And I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I, look, I, I feel exactly the same. And, and maybe it's just um, some fatigue covering this draft yeah. or looking at this draft. Certainly not to the extent that Ricky has. But I mean, just me from a Bulls perspective, just going at it and thinking about this whole thing and I'm just at a point where I'm even more confused than I was maybe a month or two ago. And maybe that's because, you know, one person will say one thing that may interest me, but then all of a sudden I'll hear something that can, you know completely dis- discourages me. And, and you both mentioned uh, Jonathan Gavoni there. He was on the low post with Mike Schmitz this morning. Um, and that was an interesting podcast because they did have uh, a few talking points that related specifically to our Chicago Bulls. And I mean, we, we brought up Killian Hayes. We may as well talk about it now, but they are, they seemingly are much lower on Killian Hayes than like you are, Ricky, like a lot of people are. So like I'll read a, a mock, mock draft from Ricky or I'll read, you know, Kevin o- O'Connor or someone else who's very high on um on, on Killian Hayes, even the podcast you guys did with PD Web. I'll listen to that. I'll be like, okay, that's the guy. But then I'll listen to the low post this morning and then Jonathan Gavoni and both Mike Schmitz are like, uh, he, I, he's probably late lottery or something like that. So for me, 
the more I think about this draft, the more confused and uh, less enthused I am about this whole damn thing. Yeah, I think it's a draft where like we consider it weak because it lacks consensus at the top. So, you know, when it's an NBA draft, like what you want are is that like no brainer superstar at one. And then, you know, every once in a while, you'll get two of those guys at the top. So this draft really doesn't have any of those guys. I like LaMelo Ball. LaMelo Ball to me is the best player in the draft. I would have LaMelo one. Uh, and then Killian and Anthony Edwards at 2-3 in some order, just mostly based on team context. Uh, but I think like in a normal draft, you probably feel more comfortable taking LaMelo at 5 or at 6. And that's why, you know, when you got the number one pick and all of these prospects are flawed in individual ways, there's not a lot of two-way guys. There's actually not a lot of shooting in this draft in general. I feel like a lot of the top players are kind of shaky outside shooters. So you sort of wonder how they're going to transition into the league. Uh I agree that, like, you know, it's just sort of become an exhausted draft process. And that's why one thing I will say I've learned covering the draft over time, I believe I've been writing about the draft since 2013, I think, which was the Anthony Bennett year. Uh, it's just humility. Like, before, if you would have suggested to me that the Bulls would take Denny with the fourth pick, I would probably be upset about that because I think that, you know, it's going to be hard for him to return top five value. And I'd be more comfortable with him going, you know, 10, 11, 12. But now I'm like, well, what do I know? I've been wrong about so many things in this draft before. I could very easily be misevaluating Denny. And I can make an easy easy argument for him, too, as a guy who's just really solid across the board in a draft without uh, any, you know, obvious talents and in a draft with a lot of guys who have major holes in their skill set. Denny just being like, you know, pretty competent in every level of the game could certainly be worth something, even though if that's not typically the type of guy you target with a top five pick. So uh, while I do think that it is sort of an unexciting draft class, I think that, uh, you know, there's going to be certain guys who end up in positions where after the draft, we're going to be like, oh, how did we let Desmond Bain slip to Miami? Or how did we let Xavier Tillman go to the Raptors? Or, you know, just these obvious fits. Uh on successful teams where uh, it's a good marriage of player and team. I think that that's really what's the most important thing is for the draft. Yeah. Coming back to the low post, I guess one of the other big takeaways for me was, uh, you know, them mentioning that a lot of, well, the intel that they're getting from around the league is not a lot of people know what the Bulls are seemingly going to do, which I guess is just adding to my level of anxiety around this whole thing where, you know, if we had some history about, you know, what AK likes to do in terms of the type of play type will typically target. Um, I mean, we've got some examples to point back at Denver, but ultimately that he wasn't the lead voice in there where he, obviously that's the case in Chicago. So just that ambiguity about we don't really know much about, well, we, we know something about these prospects, but as to who will break right or not, we, we don't really know. It's all up in the air, but just adding to that complexity is the fact that we just don't know a lot about AK and, and how he will approach this draft. So Jason, I mean, it's probably a guesstimate at this point, but how do you think the the Bulls will approach this thing? What do you think AK may or may not do? Right, it's kind of impossible to say. I mean, generally you go with best player available is usually the strategy. But no, rookie, I think you mentioned this at the top, and I think I saw someone else talking about this on Twitter, just like how fit might play a bit more of a of a role here in this draft since there aren't those like and as many as those surefire guys so i mean maybe they go there but like i have no idea and to the point about just like them really just keeping things very close to the chest like on one hand like it's annoying because like i would love to see rumors and like rumors are fun to talk about and all that kind of stuff on the other hand like i feel like in general it's kind of good that they're just kind of 
uh, keeping things kind of secret on the down low because I mean, and it's kind of how he's operated since he got hired. Like obviously with the boil and stuff, like we were losing our shit for so long because there was just nothing coming out about it. There was, I mean, he wouldn't say anything. There were really no rumors. There was a lot of speculation that the Bulls were going to end up keeping him because they were going to be cheap and all that kind of stuff. And then he ends up firing him when the season ended, basically. And uh, and I mean, with the coaching search was kind of like that as well. Like there was one, I think Woj reported the one time that all like. That's after Billy got fired, or he didn't get fired, he left OKC, parted ways, that like he'd be uh, on the Bulls' radar. And then it was kind of just like radio silence for a while, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the Bulls hired Billy Donovan. So like so far, it's kind of just, it's just kind of, this kind of just follows the trend of AK just keeping everything close, keeping everything in-house, and just leaving a lot of guesswork. So really, it is just guesswork at this point. So like, and in terms of like if they look to make a trade, like there have been some rumors about... Oh, or maybe the Bulls are a team looking to trade up for a guy like LaMelo Ball. Like, I think I guess I would be kind of surprised if they actually did trade up. I know like those teams at the top are looking to trade back. Uh, when you're looking at the Timberwolves and the Golden State Warriors and other tri- they're trying. I don't know if like the teams could agree on like on the right deals there to make that happen. So I think ultimately I would be kind of surprised that they did the Bulls did make a trade up. Uh, but other, but maybe besides that, I could see them go. I could see them staying at four and taking, like I said, any of the players we've kind of mentioned already. Uh, I guess maybe a little surprised if they traded back because so many teams are looking to trade back. But uh, so I guess I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't be surprised by anything they do, just because uh, there's just there's a lot of options, and with this draft just kind of being so just so kind of out there, like anything anything should be on the table ultimately. So yeah, I mean that's what, that's what kind of makes it exciting. Yeah, for sure, and that's all true. And and to be to be fair, I mean, a lot of what AK will be, will potentially do may be dictated by what happens ahead of him. I mean, we yeah. we can sit here and say the Bulls should do this, they should do that, but ultimately that will be decided by what you know, Golden State, Minnesota, Charlotte, maybe the teams that they trade those picks to. Maybe it's one of those. Maybe one of those picks gets traded to the Bulls. We, I guess, we don't really know. So it's kind of hard to sit here and suggest what may or may not happen. But I guess and coming back to Cavoni as well. Both on the low po- uh, on the low post, but also something he's written earlier today as well. He was uh, reporting that Lamelo Ball, seemingly for a lot of teams, is the guy that's sort of shaking up to be the number one pick. Which, I mean, make what you will of it, because it was just literally a couple of days ago where there was reports of him maybe falling out of the top three or four. So who knows what will happen with Lamelo? But I guess the reason why that's relevant to our Bulls is that uh, Gavoni reported that. There's three teams potentially interested in trading up to the number one pick to draft for Lamelo, and the Bulls may be one of those teams. Now, Ricky, is that something that you would entertain? As a, you know, assuming you were in AK spot, would you trade up for number four to go grab Lamelo at number one? And some of the ideas that the low post was sort of kicking around was maybe you know including someone like Lowry or Wendell Carter in um, in addition to the number four pick to go up and grab number one and, and draft Lamelo. Is that something you would entertain? Yeah, it all it all comes back to the price. So I would not be thrilled about moving up to number one to take Lamelo if you're surrendering Wendell Carter. Certainly, I wouldn't do that, and I probably wouldn't even do Lowry because I guess in my own evaluation, while I do have Lamelo as the top player, I don't think there's a huge huge gap between him and Hayes. So I would probably just stick at four and take Killian. But uh, I do think Lamelo is a better prospect than Killian Hayes to be sure. Uh, the the question is just how much. So if the value is more in favor of the Bulls trading up, I would love to see him do it. You know, 
two seems like the obvious spot to trade up and get LaMelo if he doesn't go number one. I think that Golden State, you know, they could use guys like Thad Young or Sadoransky. They only go back a couple picks to four, uh, you know, pick up a couple useful players during a season where they're, they they will be trying to win. So uh, if the value is in the Bulls' favor, for sure, I think LaMelo is far from a sure thing, uh, but his his upside is really great, and I think if he were to become the best player he can be, he's going to be insanely valuable because he's such a skilled creator, and that is the Bulls' biggest need. So to add someone like LaMelo, I really think would pretty much change the entire trajectory of the Bulls' future, uh, at least in the present, uh, because, like I said, I think that like they don't really have anyone on the roster who has his skill set. So uh, you add in his plus size, you add in his extremely advanced ball handling ability, which is really where he separates himself from his brother. And I think that, you know, it would be it would be a smart move. But as uh, we alluded to earlier, you know, AK is not tipping his hand at all. It seemed that way, you know, throughout uh, his tenure, his brief tenure with the Bulls so far. And personally, I think that's pretty cool. It makes him seem like mysterious. It makes him <laughs> seem like a man with a plan. I don't need a bunch of leaks because we were getting a lot of leaks from the last front office. We knew that they were going to hire Fred Hoiberg. We knew they were going to trade Jimmy Butler. Uh, so I'm totally fine with this new front office wanting to be a little more secretive, wanting to be a little more discreet. And I'll tell you when we know who the Bulls are going to take at the fourth pick or what they're going to do in the draft. And it's going to be when Woj tweets it out 15 seconds before it actually happens yeah i suppose that that is the good thing that well a good thing to an extent that really the only one at this point who seemingly has a connection into the bulls front office is Woj. so when we do hear rumors or reports and we do see them coming from from Woj, then we should be feeling uh, i guess quite comfortable about them beyond that who really knows it's all speculative of course i want to continue talking about the draft and specifically lamello ball and anthony edwards but before we do that i want to tell the listeners about this week's sponsors First up, let me tell you about Indeed. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving and that makes hiring even more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause at any time and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make sure that your search is made that much easier. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the most important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31. Let me also tell you about Bet Online, Folks, the wait is finally over. Football is back. You may not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on the every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. 
Head to Bet Online today and take full advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, back to the podcast now, Talking Draft, with Ricky O'Donnell and Jason Pat from Cash Considerations. Boys, I, I need you guys to talk me into LaMelo or Anthony Edwards because I, I clearly... I understand the upside to both, but um, I still have my reservations when I watch clips of, of, of both of these guys. I've been just doing some some more video stuff on both of these guys the last couple of days, and whilst they clearly have some elite elite skills, which you can obviously see translating into the NBA, I just worry about the you know the, the red flags that both seemingly do have, and maybe Lamelo I worry a little bit more than I do Anthony Edwards. Not to say that I prefer Anthony Edwards more than Lamelo, or that that I would pick Edwards over Lamelo, but I don't know. Like again, maybe this is just me just just going over this whole thing too much and just thinking about it too much. But can you guys try to talk me into Lamelo or Anthony Edwards at the pick, assuming the Bulls either cut worse, uh, assuming Edwards or Ball was to fall to number four, or maybe even if the Bulls go ahead and trade up and maybe target someone like Edwards or or Ball? Yeah. So here's my sales pitch on Ball, like. Uh, I think his floor is way higher than most other people do, I guess, because at the end of the day, he's six foot seven or six foot eight. He's a natural point guard. He has absolutely brilliant, super tight ball handling ability, which I think separates him from his brother. I think that he has good natural touch as a shooter. And I think that, you know, while his shot selection has come under fire, he's also gotten up a lot of like deep pull up threes off the dribble in live games. That's a shot where if you have that in your bag as a point guard, it's really, really effective. I mean, that's something that takes a player from good to great. And LaMelo, still only 19 years old. He's one of the youngest players in this draft class. He already has plenty of experience. I think that, you know, if his offensive skills can continue to develop, continue to grow, I think he's just going to be a a super valuable guy. First of all, is just creation ability off the dribble every single team sort of needs that lead creator and i think lamello sort of combines the best of both worlds in a sense where like if you look at the nba today i think lebron led the league in assists and luka Doncic was two so obviously the league has moved away from like true point guards quote unquote which is like the smallest guy on the floor being your your floor general your creator now it typically goes to more oversized guys but Lamelo has that size of like your big wing lead creator uh, but he also has natural point guard instinct so I think you know his half court creation ability is going to be really valuable I buy his shot I actually buy his defense too which I think I would put far ahead of Anthony Edwards as I have more faith in LaMelo being a good defensive player than Edwards, to be totally honest, because I think LaMelo has much higher basketball IQ. I think he's going to have a big size advantage on whoever he's guarding. And I think he just has like a nose for the ball. And obviously his brother's a very good defensive player, probably his defense is ahead of his offense. So uh, I think that, you know, for both LaMelo and the Bulls, it's probably the best fit on the board for both of them. I don't think Minnesota's really a clean fit for LaMelo. I don't think that uh, Golden State's a clean fit for LaMelo, and you'd probably rather be in Chicago than Charlotte. So uh, in terms of the team's biggest need, which in my opinion is creation, uh, and just the best raw talent in this class, in my opinion, is is certainly LaMelo, I think it'd be a, a really good, solid move for both parties. I will say, though, there are some legitimate hangups on LaMelo. The thing that I worry about LaMelo is will he be able to score in the half court? And if you can't score efficiently in the half court, how valuable is 
your playmaking skill going to be? Like the defense has to at least account for LaMelo scoring the ball himself for him to really unlock his true playmaking ability. And I do think it's fair to question, like, is he ultimately going to be a guy who has a 52% true shooting percentage or something? You know what I mean? Like something that isn't... uh, at league average levels or or isn't considered a plus. So I like his skills. To me, like when you watch the tape, the vision of LaMelo is very clear. Uh, if you want a rough comparison, how about like a 6'8 Rondo who shot more off the dribble? Uh, certainly not a perfect player. LaMelo, obviously a flawed prospect, but uh, I think the talent is obviously there in the tape. The, the numbers give me more hesitation with LaMelo and really it just comes back to how efficient is he going to be able to score the ball some of the other concerns I think are a little overblown but um, that's just my two cents on LaMelo yeah I don't have too much to add there other than just like in this draft with with there being just so many question marks and in the Bulls the situation they're in just the potential play that if they get him that his potential uh, based on basically everything Ricky just said it just seems like it's a decent amount higher than maybe a guy like Denny or even Killian. So just like if LaMelo actually does hit, uh, he would give you exactly what the Bulls need. So that's basically probably what would be my short sales pitch on top of Ricky's. And I'll, I'll mention Anthony Edwards real quick too, if you want to talk about him. Uh, Mark, I'd be interested in just seeing like, you know, your your hangups on him as a player. I assume, you know, it's at the defensive end and just like his general feel for the game, sort of like, where, where are you at with Edwards? Well, this kind of pertains to both Edwards and LaMelo to a degree. Like, they're both very, obviously, very, very different players. But I guess some of the question marks that I have about both is, and maybe this is more relevant for LaMelo, is just LaMelo comes across as this basketball savant when, you know, from a passing, a dribbling standpoint. I mean, from a pure creation standpoint, for others, let's say, I think he's just a basketball genius. But then watching him in the NBL, NBL uh, the local league here in Australia, and just seeing him pull up for, you know, 30-foot three-pointers and just some of his general shot, shot selection and, and just some of the de- defensive cues that he didn't have, like just his general mentality. I, I kind of wonder if he's just like the, the smartest dumb player that I've ever seen or just, you know, someone that was just so bored in playing in just unstructured in international leagues that he was just doing what he wanted I I just can't work out that with LaMelo and coming back to Anthony Edwards like he has the body he has the physical tools he he has the scoring ability from my point of view that you would want to just like surrender the entire offense towards but then he just seems so unrefined and I just question his ability to to create for others and just his general awareness and playmaking um, on both sides of the balls I, I guess so from my point of view like I question just how smart these guys and just their general basketball IQ uh, from a more holistic standpoint. Obviously, in certain areas, they are geniuses. I mean, Edwards can score the ball. Lamello can pass the ball like, like very few can. But I'm just wondering at a more high level from a complete package point of view, are these guys good, smart basketball players and do they understand how to play basketball? That's where I kind of sit with both in very different ways. But that's just the thing that keeps coming back to me. Yeah, and that's why I think Edwards in particular, the the team fit is really going to matter for him. Like, I actually like the idea of him in Golden State as someone who won't have a big burden to, you know, carry the team early in his career. And I think that in like a smaller role, maybe you could teach him better habits and maybe you could sort of put him in positions to play to his strengths and cover up his weaknesses. Now, if Edwards goes to a team like Charlotte and they just give him the ball and they say, Anthony Edwards, create for us. Uh, I think that that would 
probably be a disaster, and maybe he would be someone who would eventually become a really productive scorer. I I do expect for Edwards to be a guy who is going to be a, a pretty damn good scorer, but he'll be one of these players where you really debate if the production matches the impact, right? Like, I think he has all the talent to be a high-level scorer, but it's like, will that translate to an impact on winning? And that's my hang-up with him. So I would love to see Anthony Edwards end up in a good situation because uh, he's a really exciting young player. He has some, like, truly elite athleticism. I know that uh, that gets thrown around a little too often during draft season, but his, like, combination of strength and explosiveness, his quick twitch muscles... Uh, it, it would be like the best in class of like pretty much any draft class, right? Like he's a really high level athlete. So I am rooting for him as just a fan of the game and as someone uh, who tracks these young players over time. But I, I fully agree with sort of your assessment there. And I, I think the team he gets taken by is going to go a long way towards determining his future. Well, Jason, could you imagine a, uh, a backcourt or even a guard player of Kobe White, Zach Levine and Anthony Edwards and how that would maybe work out given everything Ricky sort of just noted there and maybe that extends to Lamelo as well. Like I've had thoughts of a, a Lamelo-Levine backcourt with uh, Kobe coming off the bench and, and those two, those three guys sort of closing the game at the same time. But whilst the highs may be so high you know, in their output, I still get very anxious just thinking about it. I mean, how do you feel about either of those guys potentially being Bulls? Uh, yeah, I mean, and it was, I know with like Billy Donovan was running the three guard set thing that they were doing with the Thunder last year and it worked great with these three guys, like with either in those situations, if they had Edwards or Lamelo, like, I, I don't know because I've, obviously there are the concerns about Kobe and Zach, be, their, their skill sets and their, uh, and their strengths overlapping too much with Lamelo there, obviously he brings a bit more playmaking, that lead playmaking role compared to Edwards. I mean, the stuff I've read about Edwards and looking at his stats, I guess I haven't seen him that much film of him. Uh, like I don't, I I've brought up the the Wiggins thing a few times. Like I don't know how totally fair that is, but when you see like, I know he's not as big as Wiggins, but when you see like athletic score with like just incredible physical gifts, but like don't know question his defense and question his drive and basketball IQ. I mean that just just kind of stream screams like a little smaller Andrew Wiggins there. So like like does that sound like that appetizing? Not really, but again in a draft where. I mean, maybe this is a situation where he actually does hit on like the the higher end and does not turn into a guy like Wiggins, who has put up like some big scoring numbers in his career. But this kind of just goes back to what the Ricky stuff where he was talking about, like he'll probably put up good numbers, but will that actually match the impact for a guy like Andrew Wiggins? It has not. Will that will Anthony Edwards kind of go the same way? I don't know. I know. I think it was in that Gavoni piece. Uh, people were, I think, not impressed by his, that pro day, that, like, clutch whole thing that it was, like, kind of controversial. Um, I know, like, he was hyping himself up as, like, Dwayne Wade, and Dwayne Wade was hyping him up back as, well, he's gonna be, like, the next Dwayne Wade. Like, obviously, that is a very generous and very, very high-end projection right there, but I don't know. I mean, with, with both these guys, there's obviously just, there's obviously major flaws there. I mean, with most prospects... Most prospects aren't sure things, but like, I mean, either one, like, I guess again, with, with the Bulls could pot using, or they could use a high potential guy, like, uh, and taking a home run swing. Like, you can talk me into either guy. I would definitely have your con- concern and consternation about them as well, though, just because of how they would fit with this team and just the flaws in general that they have. Yeah, I want to touch on that point, and you just sort of, you just sort of hit it on there. And that's, that was my next question in terms of, just the more general approach that the Bulls should have, the general strategy that they should have. And there's this, there's been this notion sort of flying around that because there is no consensus, number one, in this specific draft, that 
teams at the top of the lottery or even in the top or even in the top 10 should be more open to swing for the fences and I understand why that makes sense and why that be, may be applicable to a team like the Detroit Pistons, for example, a team that's sort of just commencing a rebuild, doesn't have a lot of talent. They're sort of sitting in pick seven. So for them, maybe it makes sense to, to take a swing on maybe even trading up or if you remain at seven, taking a swing on a prospect. But I just wonder if that still applies for a team like the Bulls who are entering year four of their rebuild now, presumably... I'm assuming want to make some or take some steps forward in terms of improving their team. Does it still does that notion still apply to the Bulls? And you know, even if they aren't thinking that, should they be thinking that? What What are your thoughts on that, Ricky? I think it's a clean slate starting with this year. Like, I don't think that uh, the new front office should be beholden to what the last front office did. I think it should be a totally clean slate. They shouldn't be trying to come in here and be like, "Well, how do we, you know." build around Kobe White and Zach Levine. No, just start with a blank slate. All these guys you can very easily trade. It doesn't really matter. And I don't think that, you know, the mistakes the previous regime made should be held against Karnaschovas and Aversley as they try to rebuild this team for the future. So I wouldn't look at it as year four of a rebuild. I would look at it as year zero, to be honest, because, uh, you know, they still need to get an evaluation on all these guys themselves. They need to see what their value is league-wide. They need to see, you know, who they get in this draft, where where they think they can go in free agency, what the trade market looks like for them, uh, how much buy-in they have from ownership to try to make big moves and spend a lot of money. So, uh, to me, it's not year four, it's year zero. And that's frustrating for Bulls fans because the last few years have been terrible, but... Uh, there was a light at the end of the tunnel, and we got Garpax fired. And quite frankly, I don't think that John Paxson volunteers to step aside without the hyper-negative media coverage, which, you know, we contributed a little bit to, as did, you know, many of the other writers and radio hosts around the city. I think that that's really what got to Paxson. So uh, I, I would view it less as year four of a rebuild and view it mostly as a new chapter in a new era. Yeah, I think everything should be on the table as well. Um, and a lot of this would depend on like how you feel about this young core that's in place. Like I know there's probably some fans that like think that basically now that Jim Boylan's gone, that they have a competent coach, that these guys are they're ready to take off. You add another p- decent player in the draft, maybe make a few moves and fade and say that this team will be ready to make a run for the playoffs. Like we kind of thought they might be last year, but everything just went to shit. Uh, I would say I'm, I wouldn't say I'm high on this core. I'd say that they're they have some nice decent pieces. They've obviously disappointed. Like I think I've come around on Zach a bit more. I mean Kobe's fun. Like Lowry's obviously been very disappointing. I think Wendell still has a lot to show. So like like these guys like individually they do they have some nice pieces in terms of like how it all comes together. I don't really know. And as Ricky said, like none of these guys should be untouchable. There should not be one single untouchable player on this roster. So like if they have a chance to take a swing with one of these guys in the draft, like I would probably prefer they do that maybe over playing it safe. But again, I wouldn't be mad if they took a guy like Denny and they play. I I think you would consider Denny probably the safe pick at number four, but like if they did that, I'd also be fine with it just because they could use a player with that kind of versatile skill set. And there are, and and I, and I would get it. I would understand it. And and it's not like they'd be uh, passing on like a can't miss guy instead. So like, I, I kind of get both ways here in this in this draft, and again, it doesn't, it, we really have no idea which which way they're going to go. Uh, I do think that the team will, should be better. This core should be better with Billy Donovan there in general, just because Boylan is so bad, and I mean, we've this is something we've obviously, we've obviously hammered for a while that just having someone competent and professional and actually decent and like respected around the league should be a boost just in general over Boylan. 
whether that actually makes a huge difference, I don't think we can like just rely on just because Jim Boylan's gone, they have a decent coach there now that now everything's totally fixed and they're going to move forward and everything's going to be hunky dory. Still a lot, still a lot, uh, a lot to go with this rebuild. And yeah, bottom line, everything should be on the table. So I, I definitely agree with everything you've both noted, but I guess why I have some pause is more so. I'm thinking about the Reinsdorfs maybe shelling out some dollars here, and I'm assuming they're not doing that to maybe commence another rebuild. Again, I, I have no idea to know that. Coming back to what we said before, we don't really know what AK's going to do, what he's thinking, all that sort of stuff. But they've obviously paid $6 million for a new coach in Billy Donovan. I didn't expect that. I'm assuming he's coming here to maybe not coach a rebuild, but maybe to get to, to progress the team. Yeah. They obviously paid money for AK and Mark Eversley. Um, so I, I just... That would be my my reasoning as to why I would assume the Bulls are trying to build onto what they have at the moment, which is why maybe they go the safe route at number four and try to lock in someone who um, maybe is more of a sure thing, let's say, or has less question marks. Maybe doesn't have the same high upside as someone as Lamelo or Anthony Edwards, like like a Denny, for example. But you just know that you confidently can sort of put him in, and you, and he probably will be a, a decent player, maybe a very good player someday. So. I don't know. I, I guess it comes back to what we said that we we just don't really know because we just don't know what AK will do. But look, maybe we can close on this question and this point. But um, and, and again, it's going to be hard to to, to give a definitive answer because we don't know a lot of about Karnaschovas at this point. But is there anything he can do at the draft next week, whether it's at number four, whether he trades up or down, whatever it may be, that will give you pause and just make you question? You know his ability as a lead executive. That may be unfair to do so because it'll just be one move in isolation. But is there anything that he could do come draft night that would just uh, make you a little bit anxious about about where this whole thing is going? Well, like I said, uh, I think that I I've learned to have sort of less conviction in these things <laughs> yeah. uh, covering the draft over a period of time. Uh, but with that being said, like. I don't know if they took Wiseman, yeah. I'd be pretty upset. Like that's someone who I've I've watched over the course of three, four years, so I sort of seen his development. Uh, I like Wendell Carter Jr. in a vacuum as a center prospect more than I like James Wiseman. So that would be the one thing that would really upset me. But in terms of Denny, someone who I'm not high on as a number four overall pick. I like Jason. I would absolutely give Karnashovas the benefit of the doubt, and I'd be really excited to see, you know, what other moves come after that and how Denny's career develops because uh, I think, you know, at this point, Karnashovas should absolutely have the trust of the fan base uh, with such a clean slate. And yeah, I, I the only thing that would maybe give me pause is Wiseman. But other than that, I'm very excited to see uh, what he's going to do, and I give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, same for the most part here. Like, I would be confused by one of the centers. I'd be confused if they may, if they took a guy like Halliburton at number four. I mean, that just seems kind of high. I know Ricky's, I know Ricky's kind of down on him, so he's kind of colored my view on on that one. Uh, like, but like anything else, like if they made a trade, like I, I, it would be hard to see a trade like really flopping. Because like if they trade, if they if they did trade up, uh, like I said, I guess there is a chance where they do give up too much value, but like. I could also just kind of be like, you know what? If they if there's a guy they really love there up at the top of the draft, if it's a little mellow ball, and they maybe if they did give up Lowry or Wendell, like I think I would be kind of maybe confused to begin with, but I, I would may, maybe retreat into like I'm just gonna trust these guys. They're in a position where I've I've said everything should be on the table, like and that, that I'm not like that nobody should be untouchable. Like maybe that is a bit too much value, but if they really think a guy they like Lamelo Ball that much and they would trade up to get something like that to get him. 
I, I guess I could talk again. I could talk myself into it, and then trading back. If they traded back, like again, there's in this draft. It seems like they could probably if they could get an extra pick later in this draft, and you get up a couple players. Like I think that would go. Pre- that would be fine with me. So again, yeah. If basically if they took one of those centers, I'd be kind of confused. Ricky, you did talk. You brought up Wendell Carter Jr. I don't think we talked about this yet. There was. I think this was on the low post. How allegedly the Bulls like. Larry Markinen more than Wendell Carter Jr. that he's the more untouchable player again who knows who's actually saying that because we've been, we've spent all this podcast talking about how nobody knows what AK is actually playing or thinking so I'm not sure if that's like other teams are getting that sense or anything like that in terms of like trade talks or stuff like that but that that whole thing kind of seemed weird to me uh in terms of them valuing Lowry over Wendell just because I mean Wendell is younger uh, he's only been the year two years he's shown that he can be an actual like impact player defensively where Lowry has not really shown to be an impact player at all outside of like one month or maybe maybe a couple random months in his career so I was kind of confused by that report like again that could be just total smoke we've been talking about how uh like I said that nobody knows what AK is thinking so that might be just total bullshit but it was kind of interesting that that did come out yeah, that that was concerning. Not not concerning. I'm going too far there because to your point, like who the hell knows what's true and what's yeah. not. But I mean, if for whatever reason, in coming back to the question that I sort of noted before, like if the Bulls were to sort of trade number four and Wendell to 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 Minnesota for pick number one, like that's probably something that would maybe. Uh, I can't guarantee that I wouldn't get online and, and write some mean tweets about. And, and look, we've, we talked about Wiseman. I think that would be another one. Obi Toppin as well. If he was the pick at number four, I'd be. I'd be questioning a lot of a lot of different things, but I guess they are the the big moves for me that I would have some obvious concerns with. So, I, and again, that just adds to the intrigue and, and and just adds to the to the excitement ahead of the draft next week. But um, look, I've kept you guys long enough at this point. I, I do appreciate you coming on Bulls HQ and giving me your your draft thoughts a week out from the draft. So uh, yeah, thank you both for doing that. Obviously, at this point of the at this point of the podcast, I'll, I'll let you both plug anything that you've got coming up, any podcasts, any words, anything like that. I'm sure most people follow you anyway, but uh, feel free to plug. Yeah, Jason and I are going to be doing continued draft coverage on Cash Considerations, so you guys can check that out. That's our Bulls podcast on Blue Wire. I'm back at SB Nation. I'm doing draft coverage there. I'll be doing live draft grades the day of the draft, Uh, so you can check in on that. I think I'm also going to hop on like a live draft show with a bunch of people around the internet on the by the prep to pro pod which is a draft podcast you should listen to too Uh, i'll plug that as well so uh yeah should be fun gonna be covering the draft and uh you know nba and the bulls too when that comes back around before we know it really yeah when's we're recording our next pod wednesday it's gonna be draft one that's ben pfeiffer right that's correct yeah ben pfeiffer he's from the prep to pro pod so okay uh, yeah yeah. so we're gonna have yeah we're gonna have him on on our next cash then obviously then the draft space is coming up next week. So that we'll probably use that as like a our draft preview pod. So we got that going on. Uh we'll we'll obviously have a pod after after the draft as well. Uh for me, I mean I, you can find me on Twitter at Bulls underscore J. Uh, I'll have stuff at Forbes. I do some stuff at Bloggable still as well. So those couple places still pumping out that Bulls, hot Bulls content. Uh and that's basically it. Also, Mark. I would like to officially also offer the congratulations that you're going yeah. to become a dad soon. So that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you, mate. I appreciate that. Um, it's, it's an interesting time for me, I suppose. Um, there'll be another little bull joining the world at some point. Um, he has no choice but to be a Bulls fan, unfortunately. Hopefully he's not a tortured Bulls fan as we have been over the last few years. But um, 
yeah, got a kid on the way. So just trying to find a way to, you know, turn into the next LeVar and get this kid into the NBA and so I can ride his, ride his coattails. That, that would be nice. Good stuff. <laughs> but uh, yeah, thanks for that. And uh, look, I, I, again, appreciate you both coming on the uh, on the podcast. I really yeah. do. Um, always good to talk to you guys. So in the off chance, Bulls fans, that you're not following Jason, you're not following Ricky, which I find very surprising if you're listening to me and this podcast. In the off chance that you're not, go follow their work, go follow them online and catch up on all the stuff they are putting out. But thank you again to Ricky and Jason for joining on the show. That just about does it for this episode of Bulls HQ. Whilst you're out there following those guys, you can hit me up on Twitter too, at MK Hoops. Follow the show, Bulls HQ Pod. Send me an email, bullshqpod at gmail.com. Particularly if you want to be part of the Bulls HQ Discord channel, if you want to get in, send me an email i'll give you a link and you can come be part of the bulls hq chat forum uh specifically at this time of year where we're talking all things draft there's plenty happening up in there so if you want to be part of it send me an email but this just about does it for this episode of bulls hq we'll be back next week to wrap up the draft to find out who the new and latest chicago bull will be so be on the lookout for that but until then this has been bulls hq speak then bulls fans Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about Black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now, they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.